up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. I'm just going to set them down. I've been using them to prop up a little guy so they could use a rest. Yeah, had a baby. The wife had a baby. Yep, little graham cracker. He's pretty awesome. He's, I think, like 10 days old. And I really like him. I think he's a keeper. But a little tired. A little bit sleepy. I suppose it's good that you like him, I think. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now that we're settled on that. It was a great birthing process, I guess you could call it. Kind of a funny story that I was thinking of the other day. So when we had our firstborn, Bridget, she was born in Colorado, in Fort Collins. And they do like a a new parent's meal with like steak and lobster, right? Did, Did your hospital do that? No. No, okay. I, I, you could order anything off the menu that they had, but nothing was sure. that special, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just like a thing they did for our, for all the new parents. So great. Like enjoyed it. It was, it was awesome. Well, fast forward seven ish years and we're living here and we're living here in Charleston and this new hospital is opening up right by our house. And the chief nursing officer from that hospital is a friend of mine. Uh, she she kind of caught me in the hall one day when I was doing some work there. And she's like, hey, Phil, got a question for you. you so you, you had a baby at another hospital. We want to know, like, what can we do better? Like, what can we make? What can we do to make the birthing process here at this brand new hospital really spectacular? And I just like casually mentioned that new birthing meal or that that new parents meal of the steak and lobster and... She was like, that's a that's a great idea. I think we might try that. And that was like two years ago, two-ish years ago. And I kind of forgot about that whole conversation. And then we're having Graham in the hospital. And then the next day we get steak and lobster. And I got to think that might have something to do with the conversation that I had with that with that chief nursing officer. And I don't know. I don't know, Chris. I might be I might be the reason that new parents here in the Charleston area get steak and lobster. I don't know. Might might put a feather in my cap, might not. But I thought it was kind of cool. They could call it the Falconite meal. It's a good idea. I mean, it wasn't good steak and lobster, but... <laughs> I feel like bad hospital steak and lobster is better than bad hospital, I don't know, like a couple day old spaghetti. Oh, gross. Or... That sounds awful. Or bad hospital Salisbury steak. Is that what you had? No. Honestly, I don't remember what we, what we got. But I'm, I'm just saying that like... It could have been worse, Phil. What do you think is worse, hospital food or airplane food? I think it depends on the hospital. I have had some. And pretty, it depends on the airline. I've had some pretty good, some pretty good hospital food. Yes, yes, it does. We could make that uh, a just for fun episode: hospital food versus airline food. We could travel around the country finding the best hospital food. The sponsors could cover it. It yeah. should be pretty easy. Yeah. I don't know who would win that debate. I don't know who would have the best hospital airline food, but I do know who would have the best cocktails. And that's you, Chris, because you're Mr. Bartender. Phil, I think you're giving me too much credit. Maybe. Very, but we very should talk about so. cocktails again. It's been a while. It's been it, forever. It, it it's has been, been a while. too long. It has. It has. I am going to blame the birth of your child for that. Fine. It's totally fine. I don't, I don't know if it's a valid excuse or not, but like that's just all that I can think of right now. 
I know it has been a little while. And so far we've covered the old fashioned, the martini and the daiquiri. So all three of those were, they, they kind of go back to our original cocktails episode, our New Year's episode. It was kind of inspired by David Embry. And it's kind of funny. I was telling someone about those three episodes and I, I mistakenly said, we've covered the old fashioned, the Manhattan and the daiquiri. And then said person went and listened to those three episodes and they're like, hey, I, I didn't quite catch the the Manhattan episode, or I didn't see it. And that's when it hit me. Oh, yeah. Freudian slip. They're the same thing. They're, they're close enough. Close enough to blow my mind anyways. Sure. Yeah. Very, very different tastes. And actually, Manhattan sounds great right now. But that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, we're going to talk about... What are, we, what are we talking about? Yeah, so I think in our last episode... You brought up the question because we were talking about daiquiris and, you know, mm-hmm. a, a daiquiri is rum, lime, and simple. You brought up the question, is a margarita basically just a daiquiri? And I think it's a fair question. I, I, I think my answer was not quite, actually. Not, yeah. not quite because it's actually a little bit closer to the cocktail that I think that we wanted to talk about this time. The sidecar. The sidecar. Yeah, the sidecar. So it is maybe a little bit more of an obscure cocktail relative to a lot of the other classics that I think you see around a lot, like a martini or an old-fashioned, or even a Manhattan for that matter. I, I feel like the sidecar is maybe not as well-known. I mean, how many menus have you seen a sidecar on, Phil, relative to the others? I mean, I don't know if I'm really like looking for them. And so, I mean, may, maybe more than I've... I really noticed, but I'm going to go with the big fat goose egg. Yeah, I've seen it on just a handful. Honestly, I think the first time I had a sidecar was at your bachelor party. No way. Interesting. I know that I've told you this before, but yeah, no, it it was definitely the first time. It was at, uh, I don't remember the name of it. It was was kind of one of those, what is it, a Brazilian steakhouse? Yeah, what was the name of that place? I just saw it. I didn't know what it was. I ordered it and I loved it. It was so good. It was it was just a fantastic cocktail the way they made it. And so I've I've ordered it at several other places and it's super hit or miss. I think it's a, a really tricky cocktail to get the balance right on. So I don't I don't know if I've had enough of them to to know if it's hit or miss. But I do think I've liked them all. Okay. Full disclosure, I'm not I'm not a huge like sweet cocktail fan. And so, you know, if somebody like if you order a margarita, since you brought them up, since I brought them up, since one of us brought them up and they say salt or sugar on the rim, I think, well, I've always been adverse to sugar on the rim. And just because like the sweetness, I don't know, like I feel like if a drink is going to be sweet, it should come from a simple. So this one is kind of a, a, an interesting one. I'm, exci- I'm excited to dive in. I'm excited to figure out like why the sugar matters and what role it plays. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I think it is interesting just because a, a sidecar is often a super dry drink. Way more so than something like a daiquiri, because like a, in, a, in a daiquiri, you obviously have straight up symbol. So you have you have like sugar there with it. And so I think that's one of the things that makes a sidecar a little more challenging to make just because you have to get that balance. And it kind of depends on several things. But maybe maybe we'll step back a little bit and talk about like what it is and how long it's been around? I'm ready. So I, I think it definitely falls into like the classic cocktail category. It's really been around about a century now. It 
like a lot of these other cocktails, has just super varied origin myths, I guess. Nobody quite knows exactly where it came from. I want to say the Ritz in Paris claims to have invented it. There are quite a few different bartenders that that claim that as well. Some people claim that it was an American serviceman in Paris who drove a a motorcycle with an actual sidecar everywhere. And so that's kind of how it got his name because he invented it. I was hoping it would be something epic like that, like something very Batman and Robin-y. Yeah. So it, it is actually named for the, you know, like the sidecar that goes on a motorcycle. And it it just became an absolute hit in Europe at the time. There were a bunch of books that featured it kind of really early on, like early, early 30s or so. And for some reason or another, it's become a little bit more obscure. Well, it feels like it's just kind of like taking the backseat. The sidecar to maybe some of the other more more popular cocktails. Yeah, and I, I don't know exactly why that is, Phil. Maybe it's because it is, like you were starting to bring up, a little bit more tricky to get the balance right, just because you're playing with a drink whose ingredients can be super variable. So if we're actually going to talk about what a sidecar is, David Embry, he, he lists it as a prototypical cocktail, and he uses the same ratio as a sour for his sidecar. So if we were to you know just dive into what a sidecar is, it is actually a cognac-based cocktail with an orange liqueur instead of a simple or something like that, and lemon. So typically it's going to be something like a Cointreau. One of the tricky things with a Cointreau is it can be super, super dry. So you don't necessarily have that same kind of sugar balancing act that a simple in a daiquiri has. But anyway, Embry's original ratio was that same ratio that he used for kind of all of his sours. So his daiquiri followed the same ratio. It's eight to one. So eight parts of your base, two parts of your sour, and then one part sweet. So that leaves you with something that's super, super boozy. And probably needs to be refined a little bit, Phil. Is cognac very boozy, though? I mean, does it have like a very boozy flavor? I don't know. Does it? I don't think so. I guess it depends on how you define boozy. I, I'm, I guess I'm thinking like uh, ABV heavy. So like just, just like a high percentage of alcohol. Yeah, I guess. I think I always thought of boozy as almost like a flavor profile. But maybe that's not very wise. Because we've all had boozy drinks that we didn't think were very boozy. I.e college bars and the Long Island iced tea. Do you remember those, Chris? There's there's some some sort of magic going on in those for sure. It's the Coke float, I think. Sure. We'll pretend it's that. Or the absolutely terrible sour mix, which nobody should be using. <laughs> oh, man. No, certainly not in a... Sour mix should not exist. In a drink we're covering on this show anyways. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like we're dealing with a brandy and I think brandies can be, like if you, if you, if you have a glass of brandy, obviously it's going to be, you know, nice, but just on its own, obviously I would think it is a, is a little boozy. I think people would think that like sipping a glass of brandy is a little strong. It's got some percentage to it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. And so cognac being a type of brandy, I think there's a lot of things that you can sub in there. A lot of other types of brandy, everything from from like an Armagnac, which I think is actually a really nice sub for a, a cognac, a lot more flavor and a little more punch too. You know, uh, something like a, like a Calvados or an Applejack even. Uh, yeah. I think you can start to dive into some fruit brandies. But 
Like we said, that sidecar is something that is a little tricky to get the balance right. Because when, when, we're, when we're talking about the prototypical formula for a sidecar is that base of, you know, in, in the sidecar case, it's a, a brandy. Then you have the balancing portion of a, a liqueur that is very strongly flavored. And then a bit of some citrus, so like that, that sour portion. And that, that's kind of the defining factor of a sidecar, you know, as opposed to like a traditional sour or daiquiri, where the sour was kind of base, simple, and then your citrus. This mm-hmm. has a liqueur. So that's adding a lot of extra flavor, but not all liqueurs are quite the same. You know, a Cointreau is going to be a lot more dry than something like a Grand Marnier or like a triple sec or even like a curacao. Curacao. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a curacao could be pretty pretty dry. I think there are plenty of like super dry ones, but like something like a a Grand Marnier is definitely going to be a lot more sweet, even though, you know, all of these things that we mentioned are orange liqueurs. So to really get the balance right, you're going to have to play with that ratio a little bit. And I think a ratio that I've, I've come across is an ounce and a half of brandy or cognac, one ounce of Cointreau, and then three quarters of an ounce of lime. And then also adding just like a tablespoon of simple to kind of make up for the lack of sweetness in the Cointreau. But, you know, if you switch that Cointreau out for something like a Grand Marinet, you can probably cut that simple. So it's, it's this really kind of like fluid balancing game with the ratios that really more than anything just depends on the ingredients that you actually have. Oh, that's really interesting because like every recipe that I've seen, which again, admittedly is not many, or even the ones that I've had at some sort of bar or drinking establishment has used lemon instead of lime. If I said lime, I meant lemon. Yeah, you said lime. You could say like lime, 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 lime. It's lemon. Lime. It's lemon. So. <laughs> lemon, 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 lemon. And then <laughs> one of those will work in your... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll just start it with that. That's a good idea, actually. <sighs> so coming full circle, Phil. I think all of that yes, is, full circle. is why a margarita is actually a lot more closely related to a sidecar than a daiquiri. I love it. I yeah. love it. Margarita being tequila, Cointreau. And lime. Yeah. Which that's how a margarita should be made if we're getting into margaritas. Again, none okay, of, say, none of say the sweet sour. Tequila. Tequila. Cointreau. Cointreau. Or some some form of orange liqueur and lime. Yep. As opposed to like a margarita mix. Come on. No. 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 So Phil, my, my, no. I would say my prototypical would be that that mix right there. So I would go with, I think I, and, and that's another one, like ratios. Ratios can be totally tweaked to the things that you like, to what you like. If you like it a little bit more sour, up your lime ratio in your margarita. I kind of like like a 2-1-1. So two ounces of tequila, an ounce of Cointreau, and an ounce of lime. Honestly, I think that is probably my ideal margarita. That poured over like one big ice cube in a rocks glass, almost like an old fashioned, a little bit of salted rim. It's like perfection right there. Dude, that sounds amazing. When I was in college, I worked at this bar briefly and we had this like house margarita that was a little fancy, but maybe a little more show than anything because, okay, are you, are you ready for this, Chris? It called for a third of an ounce 
of Cointreau, a third of an ounce of Grand Marnier, and a third of an ounce of Triple Sec. And okay, maybe it sounds kind of fancy, but then you you put it all together and you can, I swear, you cannot tell the difference between a margarita that has a full ounce of any of those three. Okay. I mean, I'd love to try that. But anywhere you go, like any website you go to for a margarita, it's going to have a different recipe. And so it's, it's, I don't know, maybe this is me paralleling two things that probably ought not to be paralleled, but you said the side guard can be a difficult thing to get right because it's, it's a hard thing to find that balance. And honestly, so is a margarita. So is a margarita because everywhere you go, they say it's going to be made with different things. And so, I don't know, I, I really like how simple you made it with your, with your tequila, your Cointreau, and your lime. And yeah, that's, that's a sidecar. Obviously, we're not playing with the tequila, but this is what cocktails do. This is what this is what they are. It's like summing out simple things and turning them into something glorious. Yeah. Have you ever had a white lady? Have you? Mm. <laughs> uh, have you ever had a white lady cocktail? No. <laughs> so I, I hadn't really even heard of it until I started this deep dive into this to this rebel. You know, white lady is another one of those drinks that follows the sidecar formula. And maybe a little bit more closely than the margarita, actually. You know, it's it's pretty much just a sidecar with gin subbed out for the cognac. So okay. it's it's gin, Cointreau, and lemon with, you know, that's that's one of those that you can actually throw an egg white in, and it's really nice. Yum. Yummy, yummy. I think you would okay, like it. Here's one. Here's one for you. I was I was watching the the Greg How to Drink channel the other day. Oh, yeah. And he was, he was breaking down... Like the difference between a wet shake and a dry shake. And I never knew this, but when like you're, you're just shaking it in like a traditional cobbler, the cold on the inside and the warm on the outside is going to create that seal. But when you're doing a dry shake, which means you're not using ice inside your shaker, uh, you have to like really, really be mindful that you keep the two ends together. Otherwise it could just like come apart and then your egg whites go everywhere. Yes. I never considered that. And it totally makes sense because I've had my egg whites go everywhere. I had my dog just like licking up egg whites years ago. It was like getting salmonella right before my eyes because I just didn't keep a, a, a tight seal. So anyways, how to drink. It's a good channel. And you were just thinking that you wanted all of that salmonella for yourself. Yeah. It's like, come on, dog, Dennis. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a really interesting drink that has a lot of character to it. It has kind of like a, a depth to it that you know, evolves to this, especially as it's warming up, the the brandy or your cognac kind of comes to life in the way that, you know, cognac does when it warms up and it's got a great orange character to it. And honestly, I think it's definitely one of those underrated cocktails. It's a classic that a lot of people probably actually haven't even heard of. I think it's worth a try. It's worth a shot, but it's also one that you can play around with a little bit to to really find the the balance that you like that suits your ingredients. So we'll probably have a, a post or two up on maybe maybe like our blog or in our show notes. And Phil, if somebody was so inclined to, you know, maybe take a peek at that, where would they find that? We got lots of things going on now. So we've got the blog at dadskitchenco.com. We've got social at dadskitchenco, which is like all your favorite social channels. And show notes, just swipe down on your favorite podcast app and you can probably find the show notes there. And I'm sure that one of those images that we post on any of those aforementioned sites would have sugar on the rim of the glass. And this is what I was saying earlier, that I don't typically like sugar on the rim of glasses, but the sidecar is the first time I ever had that. 
and it totally worked. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that you can do. I don't know if I've ever gone through the trouble of doing it, but it's nice. We'll see. We'll see. I'll try it that way, though. Thank you, Chris. Oh.